You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Well, today we are going to conclude our series, Pentecost. It's a series we've been talking about the impact, the power of the Holy Spirit that now dwells in us that day on Pentecost, recorded in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit filled the disciples and how that uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit has had an impact on how we, or should have an impact on how we live our lives. And today I want to conclude with some thoughts about what it looks like to walk with the Spirit. And some of you have heard some of these things probably that I'm going to share, um, and you're going to hear more about them. This is something the Lord's really been um, stirring in my own heart as I've been doing some reading and some studying this uh, pandemic has caused us to uh, involuntarily, in a lot of ways, slow down. And I've been thinking and, and reading and even assessing my own soul. And what does this slowdown look like for me? And, and what does this slowdown look like for the church? What does this slowdown look like for society in general? And so I've been reading um, some books, one in particular, beautiful, a very small book called The Theology of the Ordinary, wonderful book, a book uh, that I'm reading from a Japanese theologian called Three Mile an Hour God. Um, so I've just been reading some books um, back Backyard Pilgrim um, about what it looks like to to walk with the Spirit to embrace this slowdown that we're in right here. Now, many of you have probably heard the term before, but this this term is, is sort of what set me on this path. And the term is Godspeed. And I uh, was um, someone sent me a link, or I came across a link for a small documentary called Godspeed. Now, when we think about the word Godspeed, at least for me in particularly, um, it's not one you hear very often, but when you do hear it, it's sort of this idea of well wishes or hoping for success. And in my own mind, I don't know about your mind, but in my own mind, that means as quickly as possible. (laughs) When I hear Godspeed, I think, hey, well wishes, we wish you great success, and we hope that your endeavor is as fast, as efficient as possible, that it is quickly handled or quickly taken care of. And so I I watched this documentary and I've started to think about what is the pace of Godspeed? And this is sort of something that they talk about in this documentary. What is the pace of Godspeed, quote unquote? Well, modern Western civilization, if you will, that pace would be considered probably a breakneck pace. It is not a slow pace. It is a efficient, fast, move it, get it done type pace. Um, here in America in particular, we value things like efficiency, productivity, impact. Uh, we have books, uh, self-help books, business books, shelves upon shelves, thousands upon thousands of books and seminars and all these things that we go to to try to find out how to be the most efficient, how to have the greatest impact, how to be the most productive in our work. And so this idea of Godspeed probably in our culture today is more about breakneck efficiency, bottom line dollars, productivity impact. And I think that this sort of nomenclature that we hear, this efficiency, productivity, impact, this marketing nomenclature, this bigger, better, best idea, the biggest, the best, bigger, let's go for it, you know, um, I think that this is sort of 
captured the church in a lot of ways. Maybe it wasn't in, intended to do what it's doing. Perhaps we do need to be more efficient in some of our systems in regards to the church or whatever. But I think the unintended consequences is that in, in, in trying to help the church be more impactful, we have created this issue in the church where we have forgotten what our role is as people of God. What do I mean by that? Well, we've intended to drive people towards impact, even the church. Make your life count, your best life now. Um, be radical. Uh, be uh, extraordinary. We use all of these sort of superlatives and terms. And what has happened is potentially we've created this idea of impact idolatry that we've gotten so caught up in the idea of being bigger and better and best and more efficient and more productive, even in the church, that we've begun to worship this idea of impact itself. Is it possible that in our American way of striving to be quote unquote impactful, that we have forgotten the call as Christians, as believers, is to be imitators. Now, imitation is a slow process. Imitation is a slow process. And I think if we get too carried away with trying to make an impact, we forget that the goal for the Christian is not necessarily impact. The goal for the Christian is to be an imitator of Christ. And yes, as we imitate Christ, that will have an impact on our community, most definitely. But if we get those two things reversed, we will, we will become idolatrous people who worship impact rather than worship Jesus and imitate Jesus and then see the fruit of our worship being impacting our neighbor. I hope this makes sense. And so this uh, Japanese theologian uh, presented this idea. So Godspeed in our culture is like a breakneck, efficient, productive speed. It's an it's a impact speed. But what if Godspeed really for the Christian is only three miles per hour? Three miles per hour, which is the average pace a human walks. And I've mentioned this before in some things that I've talked about. We talked about it Wednesday um, night as we gathered informally together. What if God's speed is three miles per hour, the average pace a human walks? Now, this comes, this term, this idea comes from the Japanese theologian who passed away in 2009. His name is, uh, I might be butchering this name, but his name is Kosuke uh, Koyama. Kosuke Koyama. And he wrote a book called Three Mile an Hour God. And here's what he says, or at least a quote about this idea in his book, Three Mile an Hour God. that says this, God walks slowly because he is love at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore, it is the speed the love of God walks. I've been meditating on this idea. I think that it is such a beautiful idea. And I think that it's fitting as we wrap up this series on the Holy Spirit, and we talk about what does it look like to walk with the Spirit? What does it look like to walk with the Spirit? Well, Let's talk about that idea with this framework of, of God's speed. This idea of this God walking slowly, this three mile an hour God, it's not foreign to scripture. 
We know that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, or at least there's allusions to the idea that he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. We know scriptures declare that God walked with Enoch or that Enoch walked with God and then he was and then he was not because God took him. The scriptures tell us that Noah walked with God. We know that the children of Israel walked with God for 40 years through the desert. The disciples, I think about the disciples who, uh, the 12 disciples who walked with Jesus uh, throughout his ministry life, or the two disciples who, who walked with Jesus unknowingly on the road to Emmaus as they wrestled with their unbelief or their lost hope in their Messiah. So walking with God, God walking with us is is throughout all of scripture, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. This is a beautiful thing that the scriptures declare to us, that God wants to be with us, that God wants to walk with us and and dwell with us, to be our God and that we would be his people. This is the terminology that scripture uses. Now in scripture, to walk with God is figurative language for daily practical living. In some cases, the scripture is referencing where God physically walked with these particular people. Um, and, and that's a whole nother um, sermon all in of itself. Uh, but mo- most scripture, when it uses this terminology of walking with God or God walking with people, it's using this figurative language of, in, in, in a way in which it's talking about daily practical living. This is the invitation when scripture says, walk with or walk in or walk by the spirit. It's inviting us to a daily practice of living with, walking with the spirit of God. And we've shared the scripture before from Galatians chapter five. I want to circle back to it and wrap up off of this scripture, Galatians 5, 25. I'm going to read it in a few different versions because I think that it helps sort of set like the, the fullness of this one verse. Galatians 5, 25 in the ESV says this, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. The voice version says it like this. Now, Since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. The Living Bible says, if we are living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I'm hoping you're getting sort of a big, full picture here, a more fulsome picture of what it means to live or to walk with the Spirit. And lastly, in the message version, it says this, Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. I really love that version. The reason why I love that version is because I think oftentimes we can get caught in taking this idea of living or walking with the Spirit, and it is just simply a a sentiment in our hearts or some sort of idea in our heads, and we never really work it into the daily living, our daily lives. 
And this is what the scriptures call us to, to walk with the Spirit daily in our lives. So he says, since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. So I want to talk about working out those implications in two sort of ways, which the Spirit is with us and in which we work with the Spirit. And those two ways are this. First, that the Spirit is present. And second, that the Spirit is patient. And also, that we are present and that we too are patient. And let me explain what I mean by that. First, let's talk about what it means that the Spirit is present, that the Lord is present. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 in the message version. I've read this before. I love it. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Listen to this. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I hope you heard all of the language there that's being spoken. Of course, this is Jesus speaking. He's talking to his disciples and he's, he's providing an invitation to them. Um, but we can apply this to the Holy Spirit. We can apply this to God the Father because this is the nature. This is the invitation of God has always been the invitation of God. And you can hear that. Come to me. Get away with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Keep company with me. All of those things are about presence. About being present. God is a present God. And when I'm talking about being present, I'm not just talking about he's around somewhere. I'm talking about real presence of God, unhindered presence of God. God has always invited us into his presence. He is always longing for us to be a people of his presence, unhindered presence. And this is the beautiful thing about the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God is dwelling in us, that God throughout all of Scripture wanted to dwell among us. And then through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, he now has made his residence in us, that he tabernacles in us, that we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So now there's this presence, this unhindered presence. But God has always been a present God. He has always been inviting his people into his presence. I think about Genesis. I think about the creation story that God creates the heavens and the earth and he crafts this beautiful little garden and he makes out of the dust of the earth what? Adam. Man and woman, he forms them in his own image. He breathes the breath of life into them. And what does he do? He sets them into this garden. And the implications of that story are that Adam and Eve lived in the presence of God, that they were covered in the glory of God, that they co-labored with God for the sake of the world, that there was this presence of God and that they were also present with God. 
I also think, you know, as you read through the text, not only is there beautiful things in the Genesis story, but as I was thinking about this three mile an hour God, and I was thinking about walking with the spirit, I was reminded in particular of the Genesis story and how God from the beginning wanted to dwell with man. And then I also began to think through like, as we move through the the narrative of scripture, I was caught by Psalm 23, where David talks about the Lord as being his shepherd. And I thought, man, think about the implications that David was working through about the presence of God in his life. It's, It's Psalm 23. Let me read it for you really quick. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You are with me. I shall dwell. You are with me. I shall dwell. Do you see the idea of presence here? It's such a beautiful thing. It is throughout all of the scripture that God is present and God wants us also to be with him present, to be in his presence, to be people of his presence. And I was just thinking through, man, God present in the garden, co-laboring with Adam and Eve, walking with them. There's implications of, the scripture doesn't say that God walked with them in the cool of the day, that that's not what it says, but it sort of implies that there was this habit, there was this sort of routine of God walking with Adam and Eve, talking with Adam and Eve, an unhindered relationship, presence with Adam and Eve. And then David reflecting, David himself having been a shepherd or as a shepherd reflecting on the life of a shepherd and then drawing that that imagery back to the Lord that the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherds are present with the sheep. Shepherds walk among the sheep. He says, "You I shall not I shall fear no evil for you are with me. David saying, God, your presence is with me as a good, good shepherd. So this this idea, God has always invited us to be in his presence. So when we say walk by the spirit, we're talking about this unhindered presence of God in us and us being attuned to that presence and being present to that presence. I mean, no, we can be in a room and not be in a room. We can be among friends and not actually be present with our friends. We can be distracted. We can be hindered by all kinds of things that are going on in our lives. And so the call here, what we're talking about here as we wrap up this series, is that the Spirit of God is present and that we also need to be present to His presence, an unhindered relationship of presence. To walk with the Spirit is to live present with God unhindered. 
We recognize that the Spirit is present in all that we do, and we choose to also be present to what the Spirit is wanting to do in us and through us. So I want to encourage you as we wrap up this series on the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to practice being present with the Spirit. To Literally set aside intentional time to pray, to think, to meditate upon the presence of the Spirit in your lives. I don't know if there's anybody uh, more talked about in regards to practicing God's presence than Brother Lawrence. Um, And Brother Lawrence said it like this, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the practice of of the presence of God. He says, for my part, I keep myself retired with him in the depth of the center of my soul as much as I can. And while I am so with him, I fear nothing. That sounds very familiar to uh, David saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I will fear no evil for you are with me, right? He says, I will, uh, um, and while I am so with him, I fear nothing, but the least turning from him is insupportable. Brother Lawrence was, there's a whole book, I would encourage you to get it and read it, called Practicing the Presence of God. This was his whole life of learning how to practice being present with the Lord in every part of his life. So the Spirit is present in our lives and unhurried. And we are unhindered, rather, and we need to be present with the spirit unhindered that we see this opportunity to live in the presence of God. It's the Latin term I've used it many, many times of quorum Deo, to live in the face of God, to live present with God. So practice being present with the spirit, set aside intentional time to meditate, to reflect, to to be present with the spirit of God who dwells in us. And then secondly, this idea of being patient or unhurried. Romans 12, 1 in the message version says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. I love that. Your ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around three mile per hour. I added that part. Three mile per hour, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So the second thing that I want to wrap us up in this series on is that the Holy Spirit of God is patient. Un. Hurried. That's what I mean when I'm saying patient here, that he's unhurried. You and I, we've all been around people who are unhurried in life, who are just content to be present, right? They seem like they have nothing else on their calendar. They've got nothing else scheduled but just to be present. I am trying to practice this. I am not very good at being present. I am not very good at being unhurried and patient um, this pandemic has has forced me in a lot of ways to slow down and sort of think through what it looks like to be unhurried and patient. God is patient. He's unhurried. God has always been a patient God. He, he says that he is 
patient, that he is slow to anger, that he is unhurried in the work that he is doing. Again, I think about Genesis as God places Adam and Eve in this garden. And there is no indication that God is concerned about their efficiency, that God is extremely concerned about their productivity or the impact. Yes, God asked them to do the work of being fruitful and multiplying, but that is an unhurried process. When we talk about even the garden and in Psalm 23, the shepherding, both of these things, the working of the ground and the shepherding of the flock are both patient and unhurried things. They are not things that we rush. They are not about productivity and impact. They're about slow processes of change and transformation. And so we see that in the garden that God is not concerned with or hurried with, that he would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, that he would co-labor with Adam and naming all of the animals, that, that he would give them this work to do with their hands, to, to beautifully work the soil, to sow and to reap, harvest. All of those things take time. God has always been a patient God. I think about the idea or the imagery that David uses of the shepherd. I don't know if you've ever come across, it's very rare probably here in America to come across the shepherd, but I remember when I was in Albania, um, not this last time, but the first time I went, I went for a run um, up the mountain. And as I was coming back down, there was a shepherd and he was shepherding his flock. And I just remember, it struck me, I took a couple of pictures, I can show them to you if you'd like, but I took a couple of pictures of this shepherd, and I just remember seeing him and thinking to myself, he is in no hurry to get anywhere. He's moving at the pace of the sheep. He's walking with them. He's not driving the sheep. A good shepherd doesn't drive the sheep. A good shepherd walks among the sheep. A good shepherd is unhurried. David said this about the Lord. He is a good shepherd that he says, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That doesn't sound like a hurried life. He leads me beside still waters. That's an unhurried life. He restores my soul, leads me in paths of righteousness. All of these ideas are unhurried. They're patient ideas, calm, uh, still waters, green Pastures, lying down in green pastures. To walk in the Spirit is to live patiently in God's presence, unhurried. God is not in a hurry with us, and we have to learn how to not be in a hurry with God. As I said earlier, some of the nomenclature of marketing that has captured the church, this idea of the biggest, the best, the greatest, the impact, the, the efficiency, the productivity, all of these kind of things has sort of captured us and, it, and it's created this sort of chaos in our hearts, this frenzied pace that we're running at that's untenable. We can't keep up with it. It's why we see so much burnout. People burn out from their careers. People burn out in the church. People burn out. Why? Because they're carrying a pace that cannot be sustained. And so when we walk in the spirit, we need to learn how to walk in an unhurried presence of God. That's why I, like, I love this message version where it says that we take our everyday, ordinary, 
life. There is so much to every single one of our lives that is ordinary and you need to know that's okay. God is not expecting every moment of your life to be productive, every moment of your life to be extraordinary, every day to be Friday. He doesn't ask for that. He doesn't want that. What God wants is our everyday, ordinary life. Sleeping. Look, God is a God of naps. He is okay. He wants you to take naps. Jesus was napping in the boat with the disciples when the storm blew up. God is okay with you taking rest for yourself. And he delights in your rest. He delights in the heart that is patiently unhurried in his presence. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work. And I love this. You're walking around life. God wants to just walk around the block with you. God just wants to spend time with you in an unhurried, patient way. We recognize that the Spirit is patient in leading and guiding us, and we choose to wait patiently, to live patiently under the direction of the Spirit, submitting, listen, even our most mundane moments as an offering to God. I want to encourage you to walk with the Spirit. I want to encourage you to have a life that sort of is this daily practical living with the Spirit of God, in the presence of God, patiently, unhurried before Him, secure in His presence. How do we live this unhurried life? Well, we have to create margins so that we can live unhurried. I don't know about you, but for me, oftentimes life becomes marginless. Like we we schedule sun up to sundown and we have very little margin in our lives. We've forgotten, I've forgotten what it means to take a Sabbath day every single week, a week where we just rest in the presence of God. That's a, that's a practice that, that I think the church needs to get back to, that I need to get back to because we've, we've, we've eliminated margin in our life and so we're running out a breakneck pace, but the Lord is calling us by his spirit to slow down, create margins so that we can live unhurried in his presence and set our priorities accordingly. When was the last time you allowed yourself to quote unquote lay down in green pastures with the Lord? Just just a sunny afternoon just resting laying out on a on a blanket in the middle of a field gazing off into the distance perhaps even napping when was the last time you turned off everything i was preaching to myself you turned off everything turned off your phones turned off your watches turned off all electronics and just went away and spent time unhurried in the presence of god create margins so that you can do so such are priorities. Accordingly, some things have to go. In order to live unhurried in the presence of God, I have to prioritize my life and say some of these things have to go. I bought into impact idolatry. I bought into the idolatry of productivity. And I've got to find margin so that I can live unhurried in the presence of the Spirit. That I can walk with the Spirit. 
The Apostle Paul said it like this, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Make it your ambition to change the world, that's not what he says. Make it your ambition to be so productive, that's not what he says. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet, a simple, an unhurried life. Or St. Ignatius of Loyola said it like this, try to keep your soul always in peace and quiet. As we learn to live, to walk by the Spirit, let's learn to be present in His presence. Let's learn to be unhurried and patient as He leads us and guides us and directs us in Jesus' name. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for your spirit. May we sense the real tangible presence of your spirit in our lives. Unhindered fellowship with you. And may we learn to be patient in your presence. Unhurried, God. Still our souls. Still our hearts in your presence. Let us know you deeply, God. Help us to become an unhurried people who lay down the idols of productivity and impact and efficiency for the sake of being in your presence and knowing you deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, let me pray this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening and God bless.